today to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter number 6. We're going to look um, beginning in verse 6 at the Lord teaching here in this Sermon on the Mount, teaching the people to pray. Now, in Luke 11, he gives a similar model prayer, uh, but this apparently was at a different time, or at least uh, a different time from from the sermon itself here that's recorded for us in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, uh, because there the disciples asked that he would teach them to pray. There in, in Luke chapter 11, Lord, teach us to pray. And he gives them a similar model prayer as is listed for us here in Matthew. It's often called the Lord's Prayer, but this is not the Lord's Prayer. That's John 17. That's His Prayer. Uh, because that's where He prayed for us uh, there in John 17. This is the model prayer. This is Him teaching us how to pray. And it's what's being recorded for us here in this passage. Notice verse 6, He says, But thou, when thou prayest, Enter into thy closet, and when thou shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner, therefore, pray. Pray ye, rather. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men, he says, their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Prayer is responding to God's presence and pressures in our lives. It's an act of worship on our part. It's an act of petition on our part. It's an act of communion on our part. We are given a great privilege uh, that we can enter in to the presence of God. As Paul tells us in uh, Hebrews 10, that we we can enter in with all boldness into the very throne room of God to bring to Him our prayers and our petitions as we come before Him and have that place before Him. It is a sweet reality. It is a sweet presence that the Lord allows for us to come in before Him. Prayer is described to us in the Scripture that it activates the power of God. Prayer lines us up with the will of God. 
Prayer is essential for us individually. It is essential for us as a church. And it is essential for our lives to ever be a prayerful people. In fact, Paul tells those of Thessalonica, he says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. This model prayer here in our text, uh, the Lord gives us direction here on how with all freedom, with all boldness that we have to enter into the presence of God, He gives us direction here on how we are to do that. As He gives us this guidance here by this model that He has set forward. Prayer, as He says here in verse number 6, prayer has nothing to do with showing off. Show our biblical um, biblical acumen. Uh, it's not for sounding uh, stoic or sounding spiritual. It says in verse 6 again, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. Now, the Lord's here not saying that we there's not a place for public prayer. There is a place for public prayer. We see that throughout the Scriptures, that, that we are to pray publicly. But his, his point to us here is our prayer is not about in any way lifting us up individually as we pray publicly or privately. But rather it is, it is a matter of our heart that whether it's public or whether it's private, that we come humbly before the throne of God. When we come to Him to pray, that, that we are uh, humble and reverent coming into His presence as we bring those prayers and those petitions before Him. If at any time we are praying and, it, and we start feeling prideful in ourselves or lifting ourselves up, we need to repent right away because that's not what our prayers are to be about. Our prayers are to be this communication with our Lord and we are to come before Him humbly. In fact, go over to Luke chapter 18 and look with me there as the Lord gives us an account of public prayer uh, in this passage, verse uh, beginning uh, verse number 9. As He shows this example. Of course, He's, he's speaking here to these Pharisees that would so often have these questions for him, and, and he gives an accounting to them. This this was their uh, this was their mindset. This was their attitude as far as who they were as a whole, as a as a group. This is kind of how the Pharisees saw themselves. He gives this illustration concerning these two that were praying publicly. It says in verse nine, he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Well, this is a self-righteous crowd, these Pharisees. They saw themselves as not needing righteousness from God, that they got it on their own by doing the things of the law. And of course, the Lord pointed out to them on several occasions that was only an outward thing. that they really didn't, It didn't take care of the problem of their hearts. But nevertheless, the, the, these had, were, were righteous in themselves. They despised others because others could not attain to their level is how they looked at it. 
And the Lord gives this parable concerning them. Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee and the other a publican. A publican was a tax collector. He was hated by the people because for one, he's collecting taxes for the enemy. It was his job to collect taxes from the people of Israel and give that money to Rome. And so he was hated by the people. Uh, he was he was worse than the IRS. You see, I mean, at least our IRS is given to our government. <laughs> this this IRS or this tax collector was given to another government. Wasn't even given to the people of Israel. So this this was they were hated. The publicans were hated by the people. Both these men came into the temple to pray. The Pharisee. And the publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. I love how he puts that little detail in there. Prayed thus with himself. God, I thank thee. I am not as other men are. Extortioners. Unjust. Adulterers. Or even as this publican. I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. God really thinks highly of himself, doesn't he? The Lord's already declared himself righteous, and he's pointing out all of his righteousness. Because we're told in the Scripture that is filthy rags before God. But this is what He's offering up. These filthy rags. This is what He's sending for. Acknowledging of His own greatness. I thank Thee that I'm not as other men are. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even as this publican. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all. That I possess. Now, here he is praying aloud in the presence of these other folks. I thank you that I don't do these things. I, I thank you I'm not like this fellow here. And the public, the tax collectors, hated by his own people, would not so much as lift up his head to heaven, he says. Standing far off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, Jesus says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And so our Lord tells us this is not when we come to pray. When we come to pray, it's, it's not about looky me. Rather, it is about communicating with our Lord. It's about communing with Him. 
It's about praising Him. It's about worship. It's about bringing Him our petitions. It's about calling upon Him for our need and our help. It is humble. It is, it is full of grace. It is full of, of need on our part as we bring our prayers and our petitions before this glorious throne of God. The Lord hears and answers prayers that are poured out to Him in meekness and humility. Again, it does not mean that we have to go always and climb into an actual closet to pray. But it is a matter of our heart. A place alone in us, with God, as we come before His presence. Verse 7, he says, But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Our prayers are not a formula. Or a bunch of meaningless words. There's no Hail Marys or no specified prayers to saints or no book of prayers that we have to recite and go through. That does not mean we, we don't pray the Scriptures. Praying the Scriptures are a wonderful thing. They should be a vital part of our prayers, but our prayer is not to be something that is rehearsed or even planned out. It is a conversation with God. We're pouring our hearts out to Him. So if we're going to use the Scriptures, if we're going to pray the Scriptures, they should be used conversationally as we as they apply to what we are seeking, or what we are praying, or what we are bringing before His throne. Our relationship with Him is cultivated down on our knees. Now we should take care as we come to enter into His presence Even though, again, Paul tells us that we can enter in with all boldness, there should still, even with that boldness that we have, that opportunity, that ability that we have to come into His presence, it still should be filled with reverence in our hearts as we come before His throne. He says in verse 8, Be not ye therefore like unto them, speaking of the heathen, There's no reason for us to turn our prayers into chants in order for God to hear us. There's no need for us to continually repeat over and over again for Him to know what it is that we're wanting from Him. There are times um, when we're praying that maybe that's all we can do is grunt. There's nothing else that we can say. 
And maybe that's what our, our prayers turn into is just... Ah! Maybe that's all we can get out, you know. Um, that's okay. That's okay. It's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about saying the same things over and over again, repeating it in order for God to hear us. He don't, he's not deaf. He's not deaf. He hears. He hears. In fact, the Scripture tells us that He knows what we have need of before we know what we have need of. In fact, He tells us when we don't know what to say, the Spirit of God prays for us which, with groanings which cannot be uttered. He intervenes on our behalf. And this does not, this verse here does not also contradict the idea of importunity. In fact, the Lord speaks concerning the need for importunity in our prayer. And all importunity means is we're going to hang on until God gives us an answer. We're going to hang on until He gives us an answer. Knowing knowing that He will. An urgent soul holding on to the Lord is not repeating words or chanting to be heard, but rather it is a hurting, humble heart crying out to God. And so hold on. This allows for a balance of reverence and boldness toward Him. And this, this balance is really that boldness and, and reverent balance is only found in much prayer. We learn that. The more we pray, the more we, we achieve that balance before His throne. And so... He says again, verse 8, Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask Him. So after this manner, he says in verse 9, After this manner therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, Having led them here, he gives them this model. Seven points. Four heavenly, three earthly. And he begins with our position with him. Why we have a right to address him at all. Why we can have that boldness that Paul talks about there in Hebrews chapter 10. Because we have, as he says in Romans 8 and verse 15, we have a spirit of adoption. And that spirit of adoption allows us to come to the Father. That gives us a place to come to the Father. That allows us that opportunity to come before His throne and bring to Him our prayers and our petitions. 
this position. Our Father. Our Father. Which art in heaven. This not only is a description of our position. That it is our Father that we are praying to. But it is also a description of who God is. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. Prayer is more than just our petition. It's more than just what we want. It's more than just what we need in these moments and times. But it is also our worship. It is also our worship before His throne. Hallowed means to make holy. Hallowed be thy name. To make holy. This hallowing is an act of worship. Us declaring the holiness of God as we come to Him in prayer. Just like those seraphim that Isaiah sees there in Isaiah chapter 6 gathered around the throne of God there that he sees in that vision as they cry one to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. As they worship Him for His holiness. That's us. That's what we are to do likewise in our prayers as we are declaring before His throne the holiness of our God. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. In earth, as it is in heaven. This was a common phrase among the Jews in their prayers, by the way. Except they had an added part to it. The Jews would pray, Thy kingdom, or rather they would say, The Messiah and your kingdom come. How they would say it. The Messiah and your kingdom come. The Lord takes out that part of the Messiah. Thy kingdom come, is all he says. Why did he take out the part of the Messiah? Because he was there. Didn't need to pray that anymore. He was there. He had come. And so now, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. This acknowledges, as we come to our Lord in prayer, this this acknowledges before Him our submission to whatever God wants from us. Thy will be done. We will not always get what we want. But we are always to be yielded to the Lord's will in every issue of life. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Thy will be done. We see that in Matthew 26. 
as the Lord is praying there in the garden at night. This is part of His prayer, the Lord's prayer, as we see here. Matthew 26, verse 39. Then again in verse 42. Matthew 26, verse 39. goes into the garden there to pray. This is just a little while before His arrest. John records for us the fullness of this in John 17. Verse 39, it says, He went a little further and fell on His face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from Me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as Thou wilt. Then verse 42, He went away again the second time. And prayed saying, O my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. Thy will be done. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In earth, as it is in heaven. Our Lord does not just rule in heaven. His sovereignty, His direction, His will is operated in all of His creation. He has control Wherever, wherever it is at. On earth as it is in heaven. And then he says in verse 11, (laughs) excuse me, verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Our Father is the provider of everything for us. He's the provider of everything that we have and everything that we need. He is the one that gives it. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, we go to the grocery store once a week, or once every other week, and we go through that line, and we fill up a cart, and we go to the checkout counter there, and we scan all those items, or the, I don't like that, I look for the one somebody's operating, and and they scan all those items and they get done scanning those items and they tell me 350 or $400 or whatever it is to get that half cart of groceries now and I shell out the cash to them and carry it out to the car then and we put it in the car and we drive it home we put it in the refrigerator and we don't think much about it or in the freezer and our freezers are full we've got two at the house and they're both full. 
pantry full. We've got emergency food full. We've got canned stuff full. We've got food everywhere. And we'll go and open the refrigerator door and say, hey, ain't nothing to eat. We don't think much about our daily need that the Lord provides for us. He's blessed us so immensely, so immensely that we've got a store in our houses. Food for days and months even that we've gotten laid back, laid up in store. We don't recognize He's daily provided. Daily provided for us. We need to be careful to give Him thanks every day for the food that we have, the food that we enjoy, that daily provision that He pours out on food is just one thing. We talk about daily bread here. Give us this day our day. He, everything we have, He's given to us and provided it for us. We need to be mindful every day to thank Him for it. To thank Him for His blessings. To not take them for granted. To not look over and pass it up without, without being mindful of man, what a privilege that we have this provided for us this day. What a great God that He's allowed us to have this today. Give us this day our daily bread. And then He says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our Debtors. We need every day, as 1 John 1, verse 7, 8, and 9 tell us, we need every day a daily cleansing. A daily cleansing. Because we fail and we sin every day. And so we need that, that cleansing, that restoration to our Lord every day. We need that, that restoring of our fellowship with Him. We need to be mindful of our constant sin, our constant failure before Him. Our, our debts that He's describing here in verse number 12 is our sins. Forgive us our debts, our sins. We owe them to His justice. We owe them to His holiness. And so, forgive us our debts. Sins we cannot pay ourselves. It must be in the Lord Jesus. But he goes on to say, if we then are forgiven, forgive us our debts. If we then are forgiven then we must also forgive those who have sinned against us and wronged us in some way. 
He goes on to say that in verse 14 and verse 15 of this passage. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. He's not saying that we'll lose our salvation there. That's not what he's talking about. But rather he's talking about that restoration of fellowship with him. That our our fellowship with Him, as long as we're hanging on to the sins of others against us, our relationship with Him is going to be strained. And we're not going to have that closeness of fellowship with Him, you see. And so there needs to be that cleansing, that daily cleansing for us, as well as that daily forgiveness by us for one another. Forgive us our debts. As we forgive our debtors. Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter number 6 verse 33. Down through verse number 37. Luke chapter 6 verse 33 through 37 here. He says, if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. But if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love ye your enemies, and do good and lend hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. And you shall be the children of the highest, for He is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and ye shall not be Judged, condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men give into your bosom? With the same measure that ye meet with all. It shall be measured to you again. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 32. Ephesians 4, verse 32. Paul says, Be ye kind one to another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake. Forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Forgive us our debts. As we forgive our debtors. And then he says in verse 13, And lead us not 
Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Lead us not into temptation. Keep us, is what the prayer is. Keep us from those things that would cause us to stumble and fall into sin. By allowance that we would not allow Satan to have the upper hand over us or give him a foothold in our lives. Thereby delivering us from Satan's evil devices. Who is always, by the way, looking to destroy us. Who, by the way, is always looking to to tempt us, to to, uh, fool us, to, to try in any way he can to show us our weaknesses, show us our failures, show us ways that that we have come short, that He can entrap us to continue, to to give Him a place that we would continue in that sin. And so our prayer is, Lord, deliver us from that. Don't, Don't let Satan get a foothold in me. Don't let him have a place in my heart. Peter tells us there in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8 that we need to be sober and be vigilant, he says. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Be sober, be vigilant, be looking out, Because he is hiding around every corner. He's crouched down. He's ready to attack. He's waiting for us to come unawares. He is looking out for those that he can devour. And he, listen, he will do it. Every chance he gets. And so our prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us. Amen. Trials are to show us our weaknesses and they are to cause us to seek the Lord. To seek His face. To draw closer to Him. And it is those very trials that He uses to grow us in Him. The wondrous thing is He uses us weak folks. He uses us flawed folks. He uses us scarred folks. He uses us. Because in our weakness, His strength is made perfect. And so our prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom 
Again, there is a recognition here. God and His power. It begins, this prayer, it begins and it ends with a proclamation of praise and worship to the Most Holy God. To His character, to His person, and to His power. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. It begins and ends with the worship of our God. Too often, too often, I know in my own prayers, too often I leave off the worship. I leave off both ends. And I give Him my list. Lord, you've got to do something with this. And Lord, you need to fix this. And Lord, you got, this right here needs to be done. And Lord, this, this right here, I, I need an answer on this, Lord. And I, Lord, I need you to take care of this. And I need you to take this. This right here needs to be taken care of. And Lord, this, I've got this request here. And Lord, this person right here needs your help. And we pour out our list and we spend very little time on the beginning and the end. We need to be spending our time worshiping Him. There's something about our worship. There's something about that communion with God that makes those middle parts a lot smaller. It makes those things a lot more manageable. When we're spending our time in worship, don't forget to worship. Heard my dad pray lately. You may listen to this later. I'm not saying this to praise him, but I just. Heard him pray here lately a couple times. It was so sweet to me. Because the first things out of his mouth, oh Lord, I love you. It was precious to hear that. I heard. I heard in his voice the worship as he prayed. It made me realize I don't worship enough when I pray. Spend that time. Not just in the petition. Oh, bring him the petitions. That's what he says to do. 
Don't do it without the worship. Don't do it without the worship. Spend your time in worship of the King. What a grand and glorious privilege that we can come before His throne, that we can bring Him these prayers, spend that time praising His name. It's all stained. We'll be dismissed.